Hi everyone, it's Kimberly. Welcome back to The Limitless Pregnancy. This week we are picking up where we left off. Last week talking about the pros and cons of where to deliver hospital versus birthing center versus home birth. And this week we are just continuing right along with the pros and cons of having an OB versus a variety of different kind of midwives, plus the added benefit of having a doula either for your birth or during postpartum or both if you choose to go that route. As always, so much to talk about. We try to cover as much as we can within the limited amount of time that we have, but there's so much more that we weren't able to get into this episode. So as Emma and I always tell you guys, please feel free to reach out with questions. We are happy to discuss ad nauseum all of the different varieties of conversations and options that go into really deciding where it is that you feel you belong in order to have the best possible birth experience that you can have for your ideal birth vision. So have a listen. If you feel like there's something that didn't get covered in this episode, we are here. You can find us on social media and we're just really excited to share all of this information with you. So please enjoy. And one more thing before you go, we are still running our special offer with Glowy Leggings. So if you have not had a chance yet to check them out, their maternity leggings and their postpartum leggings are both amazing. And we've partnered with them. So we still have our 20% discount. It's Roo20, R-O-O-20. So make sure that you go over to their website, have a look, stock up, set yourself up for success. I'm telling you, those postpartum leggings are like the best thing since sliced bread for <laughs> your postpartum body. And it's never too late. Even if you're a couple years out, they're still gonna work wonders for you. So as always, thanks for listening and please enjoy. Good morning, hello. Good morning. <laughs> Bright and early today. I mean, it's early. Well, for, for me, you, anyway. Yeah, you're on the West yeah. Coast. I'm on the East Coast, so I've been up for six hours at this point. I had a pretty early morning, actually. Oh, wow. You had a super early appointment. Yeah. My appointment was at 9 with my doctor, but Jordan's up and out of bed by 6 or 6.15 most mornings, and I actually... Besides for getting up to go to the bathroom once, I slept through the night. I was able to fall back asleep after getting up to pee, which in the last few months has been very hard for me to go back to sleep once I'm up. And I yep. basically slept through the night last night. So when he was up at six, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm up too. And 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 yesterday was a bit rough. I was um, both lunch and dinner came back up after eating them yesterday. Oh, so no. I was starving this morning when I woke yeah. up. So I kind of shot out of bed to have breakfast. Yep, that sounds about right. Nick also gets up around 6.30, but he gets up to, like, go work out or go skate or do something before he goes to work. Oh, and wow, when good he for wakes him. Up, I know. I don't have that discipline. Obviously, right now, <laughs> discipline is not my priority. But when he wakes up, I'm like, don't disturb me. Don't, like... <laughs> Let me have my sleep. That's how I usually I'm... am. I'm like, take the dog out of the room, close the door, and don't be loud. Yeah, exactly. Get out of my face. Well, also because I'm at the point now where, like, there's so little room that I'm getting up to pee, like, five times a night. Oh, so my God. sleep is so interrupted that, like... Finally, by the time it's like the early morning hours, by like three or four, usually my bladder is like as empty as possible. So that's when I get the most consistent 
uninterrupted sleep. So like those morning hours come, that sun comes up and I'm like, leave me alone. I don't have anything to do with you. (laughs) Let me have my time. Totally fair. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Okay, so last week we did hospital versus birthing center. We talked a lot about how there are obviously many factors that can contribute to what you decide. One of those huge factors was doctor versus midwife, whatever you feel is right for you. So this week we'll talk about doctor versus midwife. Yes, and I'm excited because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say plus the bonus of whether or not to have a doula. Yes, which you will have such good personal experience to share about being a doula yourself. I feel like we can get the perspective of someone who actually is a doula and can talk all about the benefits of what that is for someone. Yeah. I'm really excited for this episode because for me, and as I talked a bit about on last week's episode, it was for many factors, just a kind of obvious decision for us to work with a traditional OBGYN and deliver at a hospital. But I know my mom has talked a lot about how she used a midwife for both me and my sister and really, really enjoyed that experience. And because it's not something that in the time of COVID, I felt like we really had the leisure of having different alternative options. And this just first, all the reasons, insurance and because of the state of the world and not being able to have in-person contact and just so many different things. We just went the traditional route and maybe for the next pregnancy, it's something that we would explore other options, but I'm excited to learn more and talk more this week about what all of the options really are. Yeah, I mean, there are there are so many options. And like we said last week, even just within the two categories of doctor or of traditional OBGYN versus one of the various different kinds of midwives, even within those, there are so many different ways that you can go because you know not anything is created equal and I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes out there about like if you go to a doctor you're not going to get personal care if you go to a midwife it's going to be crunchy granola you know and like those stereotypes do exist for a reason but there's a massive middle gray area that covers you know the doctors that are a little bit more natural and a little bit more um, relationship based. And then there are midwives that are not depending on where you are. So there really is like such a broad spectrum Mm -hmm. between the two. So there's just, there's just so much to consider. And then beyond that, it's such an individual basis, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, like anything else, like picking a trainer, like picking a doula, like, it's right. just you have all. to make sure that you're comfortable with whoever you're working with, no matter what their credentials are. Yeah, and like exactly. You said there's also all of these sort of people in between. Like in my in my appointment this morning with my OB, there was a nurse practitioner there who I met for the first time, who's part of the practice, who was awesome and answered just as many questions and seemed just as knowledgeable as my OB. So there there's definitely a whole spectrum of different options, which is great. I love that. Mm-hmm. It all makes a difference. Because the thing, too, that you have to remember is that, especially if you're going the OB route, you're not going to, you're going to be seen by an entire team of people throughout your pregnancy and throughout your labor. So getting to know as many of those people as you can before is hugely beneficial as well. Even though it's not possible, like you're never going to know what nurse is going to be on shift overseeing you, depending on when you go in. You know, that's those kinds of things aren't the things you can control. Whereas, No matter what time I go into labor, I call my midwife and she's the person that shows up. Right. Versus I know that no matter when I go into labor, 
I will not necessarily have my OB as the person who's delivering the baby because it depends on who's on shift from the practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, I guess maybe for some people who would want to be able to plan that in advance and know definitively. It, so is that always the case with a midwife? Is that if you're working with one midwife, that is going to be the midwife who's going to be there for your delivery? The majority of the time, yes. So the hospital, the university hospital that we were at here before we transferred to the birthing center, the midwife that I was seeing for my prenatal care no longer does deliveries. Just It's just a hard no. She does. She oversees prenatal care. She oversees postnatal care, but is not there for the delivery itself. Mm-hmm. So if we had stayed at that hospital... We would have had a relationship with her through all of our prenatal care, which is great. But then we still would have shown up to the hospital, had been overseen by whatever team was on staff at that point, um, and then probably never see those people again. Like right. never having seen those people before and never see those people again. You right. know? So, so so there's even within midwifery, it's different depending on the location. That's also not standard practice but she also has been a midwife forever and she basically like in one of our first appointments she was like I love delivering babies it's so you know it's so rewarding and all of the things that really are amazing about delivering babies but she was like honestly I like my sleep so I don't deliver anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's fair totally fair (laughs) right like you get to a certain point in your career where you get to decide that Yeah. So I actually, that's one of the reasons that we had to change OBs when I got pregnant is because the OB that I had been seeing in Miami since we moved here is no longer delivering. She has three young kids. She probably delivered for, I don't know, maybe 15 years and said, I, I mean, the schedule is just crazy. So I totally get that. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. My midwife with my first birth had five children at home and like young children. And she was just, you know, Get up Get and up go. In the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a really Which, strong support system at home, I think. Yeah, definitely. And more power to her, man, because I can't imagine how exhausted she is on a daily basis just being in charge of five children. Yeah. Or maybe at that point, like they manage themselves and each other. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So don't know. so tell me what your process was like finding a midwife for this pregnancy because I assume that it's something, and we kind of touched on this before, that it's something that is such a personal connection and that you personally and everyone is going to have a different experience in terms of what they're looking for, but you personally need to feel comfortable and confident in the person that you're working with, no matter if that's a midwife or an OB or somebody in between. Um, So was it, where did you find this person? Is there a database online? Did you get a referral through your hospital or through your doctor? What was that process like? And then also what were sort of the cues for you, even though, again, these are super personal, but what were the cues that you knew that this was the right route for you guys to be taking? So um, I started with hospital. I had asked friends who had had good birth experiences, where they delivered, how they liked it, pros and cons, what they would have done differently. Um, And there's three hospitals in Seattle that all have a really great reputation for birthing centers. Um, One is downtown, one is up north, closer to us, and then the other is on the east side of Lake Washington in um, Kirkland. So we, the one that was closest to us obviously made the most sense, but it's also one of the most baby-friendly places to deliver in Seattle. So they do immediate skin to skin. They don't even have a nursery. The baby's in the room with you the entire time. They don't take the baby away even for any testing so long as the baby comes out okay for like the first, 
I think it's two hours. So they really kind of allow the process to be natural. They don't have as uh, strict of regulations for timing for like, you know, you've been in stage one of labor for 12 hours, so you need to be moving to stage two and or, you know, like there's not there's not as much of that sort of like <laughs> overhanging um, domination of your labor schedule. They they're just super, super baby mama friendly. Um, if you have a cesarean there, you have the option to do a clear drape so that you can watch if that's something oh, wow. you want to do. Wow. Yeah. So they're just really like they're all about the, the mom baby connection and um, keeping you guys together as much as possible, which I love. I that was that's always been something that's very important to me. Plus, they have tubs for laboring. You can't deliver in the tub, but they have tubs for laboring and they're very like movement friendly when it comes to laboring. They want you walking around. They want you moving around. They want you in different positions. They don't require you to deliver on the bed on your back. So from that perspective, they just checked, you know, enough of the boxes. Plus, they have a combination of their team is a combination of OBs and midwives and they work together. So I loved all of that. So that was just, and it's literally across the freeway from us. Like it's a seven minute drive. So I was like, this makes, this is like a no brainer. This makes the most sense. So that was what we chose. And then when we went there, it was, I was just for my first appointment, I was just assigned a midwife and, um, she was wonderful. So it all just kind of worked out that way. Um, and if we end up having to do a hospital transfer, that's still the hospital that we would transfer to from the birthing center. So it's still, we still have, you know, if we end up having to be in a hospital, we still have the option to be there where we've done the research, where we know that they check enough of the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was the main reason that we chose that one. It's also a little bit slower, which means that on paper, this is not like, this doesn't apply to every hospital across the country, but generally, because they're a little bit slower there, they're not as quick to push you through your labor and turn you out, basically. Mm. So the one that's downtown, that's also super baby friendly, that I have friends that have had high risk deliveries, that have had wonderful experiences there. Um, it That's the, the downtown one is one of the busiest birthing or laboring centers, birthing centers in a hospital in Seattle. So they definitely just like push you through. Mm. Um, And that's something that I want to avoid just because I don't want to feel the pressure of feeling like I need to be induced, feeling like I need to have Pitocin, feeling like I need to move towards a C-section because I'm on their clock. You know, I, my labor is mine and I want to do it the way that my body intends to do it and the way that my baby intends to do it. And so I just don't, there's already enough, heightened emotion and you know hopefully not a lot of stress and anxiety through the labor and delivery process but I just don't anything that we can do to mitigate or not add to that is you know I want to be in control of as much as I can because you truly are out of control of so Mm -hmm. much of your labor so Mm -hmm. um so that was why we didn't choose that one um but it's but they also have a great reputation so it really is a matter of you know what your individual priorities are but we went we went hospital first and then chose to choose our team after we chose our hospital. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah. And so and, that's interesting that you said that 
there was a you were basically assigned a midwife once you decided the group that you were going to be working with did you have the option to meet with several different ones or it was kind of this is the one and it just happened to work out that you really liked him or her yeah it just it just um she was the one that was assigned to us and then I thought what would happen is we would see like the midwifery team on rotation um but that's not what happened and I'm not entirely sure why we got out of there early enough that you know at the point that we if we would have stayed I probably would have been like okay (laughs) I need to meet some other people and like start you know sort of touring the team as a whole but we also didn't even get a chance to properly tour the hospital our our hospital tour was actually scheduled for I think the week after lockdown started so during the hospital tour we would have met a significant amount of the team that would that was on staff at the time of the tour you know and that and we would have gone from there to like seek out whoever we hadn't met yet but we just never had that opportunity and then we got out <laughs> and then you were out <laughs> <laughs> so out. let's take a but step even, back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say with this hospital, even the even the midwife that I'm working with now out of the hospital system in the birthing center knows all of the OBs that are at the hospital that we would transfer to. And she, you know, like every all of the they're a very, um, a very good, very well connected team. And they all speak very highly of one another, which is really nice. Mm, that is nice. Yeah. I was just going to say, let's take a step back and kind of define what it means to be a midwife. I think yeah. we've we've already talked about how the process for becoming a midwife is becoming a nurse. And then after that, going on to get your graduate degree, essentially, in midwifery. That, so that's so there are there are various different kinds of midwives, actually. So a certified nurse midwife. Yeah. You go to nursing school first and then you get your graduate degree in midwifery so that's and that was something that was important to us in the beginning (laughs) Um, but now actually the midwife that we have is not a certified nurse midwife she's a certified midwife um, but she's also a naturopathic doctor so she does have medical training she did go to medical school she just doesn't have the nursing degree so a certified midwife is you actually go to school to become a doctor and then you go on to get your midwifery degree no so certify midwife you don't have to go to school to become a doctor at all this 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 midwife just has two separate she basically has two separate educations got it okay so the difference between a certified midwife and a certified nurse midwife is that the nurse midwife has gone to nursing school first before getting their degree in midwifery versus the certified midwife who has some sort of background in health, but has definitely gotten their master level certification in midwifery. Did yeah, exactly. It? So certified, <laughs> yes, you got it. You did it. Woo. So certified nurse midwives, for the most part, are practicing in hospitals. That is not across the board, but the majority are practicing in hospitals and hospitals require midwives in the hospital to have that nursing component. Um, and then so that so essentially you can separate midwives into two different categories. You have the certified nurse midwife and then you have various different kinds of direct entry midwives. And those midwives for the majority are for out of hospital experiences, birthing centers, home births, etc. So they don't have the same requirements. Um, and that also depends case by case on the state 
on <clears throat> what is covered liability-wise within state regulations and then what's covered liability-wise where they're delivering. So if they're at a birthing center versus if they only practice home births, some birthing centers require you to be a certain kind of midwife and some don't. So so within direct entry midwives, you have that certified midwife which has a some kind of background in a health-related field and then goes on to the get a master's for midwifery. You also have certified professional midwives, and this is, as I understand it, the majority of direct entry midwives in the U.S. are CPMs. They're the only midwifery credential that requires them to have experience in out-of-hospital settings for their certification. So they're a little bit more, their training is a little bit more, um, like, internship-based, I guess, is the best way to compare it. They're, they're a lot more hands-on in the way that they are acquiring their education um, and their education and their clinical training as well focuses on specifically on the midwifery model care in homes. So those are going to be the majority of your home birth attending midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and or then they also provide birthing centers, right? Yeah, usually. Yes. Yeah. Um. And then the last kind of midwife that you have is the least common, but depending on where you are, fairly standard. And those are lay midwives. Um, and they are not certified or licensed. So they're, And that can be for any number of reasons, for religious reasons or for, for culture, cultural reasons. Um, and they are much more of like a... Unreg- un- un- and they're choosing to be unregulated and um, they're much more of like a coming from a mindset that birth shouldn't be regulated and there shouldn't be laws around childbirth and they're there to be that support system for the mom throughout um, the entire pregnancy, the labor, the delivery and the postpartum period but very much from a truly like natural and organic perspective of like this is a thing that every woman goes through and this is a thing that we should have the freedom to go through however we choose to and we don't want regulations and we don't want laws and we don't want insurance you know we don't want any of that to interfere with this natural process um and I've only worked with a lay midwife once and that was when I was a doula for um a girl who was living on a reservation in Oregon and they were very very they didn't allow any kind of licensing or regulation in delivery on the reservation so wow yeah so there's different kinds obviously um and it really depends on where you're going to deliver home birth versus birthing center versus hospital and then what's important to you you know if you feel like you want to go the midwife route but you want them to have some kind of medical background that's obviously going to come into play if you have if you feel strongly that labor is you know all about you and a woman's choice and shouldn't be regulated you're probably going to go that home birth route or that lay midwife route which usually also is a home birth route um so it really depends on what you what you feel is your priority or your list of priorities how how those different categories fit in mm. mhm the nice and thing think- about having a midwife is that they are with you through the entire process. And so it's a much more personal and intimate relationship with the person that's delivering your baby versus an OB where it's like, you know, you show up and whoever's there 
is helping you through and you may have never met them before. And so it also depends on how comfortable you are with that. And are you having more regular appointments or touch points with your midwife than you would if you're working with an OB? So for example, with me, I see my OB at this point, now that I'm in my second trimester, it's every four weeks I see her and, you know, we do the normal check-in and potentially there's an ultrasound. Definitely they are weighing me. They're checking my heartbeat, all of that kind of stuff, seeing how I'm feeling, seeing if I have questions. But in between, unless there was an emergency or I had a question, we wouldn't have any touch points. Are you having more touch points with your midwife during, um, throughout the pregnancy? So... Where I was before in the hospital and where I am now, they follow the same schedule. It was every four weeks and then it was every two weeks and now it's every week. Um, but the appointments are definitely different. We do do blood pressure and we do wait every so often, but they're not super diligent about tracking the weight. That's not as much of a priority in the midwifery model as it is in the in the OB model of prenatal care. Um, they're concerned more about you know, the, a lot of the things that we talk about are emotional based. How are you feeling? We talk about anxiety. I, I had a, like a breakdown moment in my appointment last week because, um, I have a friend who lost her pregnancy at 36 weeks and I had had a zoom call with her, I think the day before I went in for my appointment. So I went in just like completely rattled and I was like, I feel crazy. And you know, scared and anxious and of course all the things and so there's a lot more um I think emotional support with midwifery care as far as like helping you through the sort of roller coaster of preparing to deliver um whereas with an OB it is a little bit more clinical you go in and you get your stats and you make sure the baby's heart rate is between you know 130 and 150 and then you move on right so there's that's definitely different as well but that's also you know I wouldn't necessarily say that that's across the board I don't think that I'm sure right. that there are people totally depends on the personality and just the sort of bedside manner of whoever it is that you're working with whether it's an OB or a midwife yeah. exactly right yeah so the the idea is that midwifery care is more personalized um there's there's a lot more discussion in your appointments of the emotional and the mental aspects of delivery mental health is something that is very very openly discussed generally with the midwifery team but not always um and they're the, and you have the same person with you throughout. So my midwife now, she's my prenatal care. She's going to deliver the baby. And then she's going to be postnatal care as well. She's coming to our house 24 hours after we go home. She's coming again, you know, two weeks or a week later and then two weeks later. And um, she actually has a little bit more of a full spectrum postnatal care plan than most OBs or most hospitals do. So I love that. I feel like yeah. everything that I understand about postnatal care is just this big gap really yep. like there is just you're so prepared you're preparing pregnancy you're preparing for what's to come during pregnancy and then by towards your third trimester in pregnancy you're preparing for what your labor and delivery are going to look like but then it's almost like there's this big forgotten part about well what happens once you actually deliver and that's a time where it just seems like there is more 
physical and emotional change and support needed than just as important as all the other points during the entire journey. And it feels like there's just this big, like, forgotten period. Like, the fourth trimester is real. (laughs) It is. And there's so much transition that you go through in that fourth trimester. And you're absolutely right. It's so, it's just completely overlooked because now there's this baby, right? And it's this innocent thing that cannot care for itself and so there's so much focus on that but also like you really have to think about when you're in your fourth trimester yes you are an adult yes you have the tools to care for yourself but you also cannot care for yourself because you are so hyper focused on that baby and then also like just trying to sleep and eat and do the right things and make sure that your milk is coming in and make sure that you're healing properly and make sure that you can get yourself to a point where you're going to the bathroom without pain. Like those first few days you need help like getting on and off of the toilet. You know, like there's so much that you cannot do by yourself, even though the whole idea is like, okay, well the mom's an adult, so she'll handle herself and we'll focus on the baby. But Mm. yeah, the, that postnatal treatment, yes, the baby should be the priority, but so should the mom. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I know a lot of a lot of various people are fighting to are fighting for change within our system, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a long road and good on them for doing it because that's a, that's a steep uphill battle. Yeah. I wonder actually, and I, maybe this is something that I'll ask my OB next time because I don't know the answer to, but what the postnatal care looks like for me with my OB once I've had the baby, like, is there a plan? What, what I, I actually don't know what the sort of, doctor visits and all of that looks like. I mean, obviously there's some sort of schedule in terms of making sure everything's okay and getting cleared to start exercising again and start having sex again and all of those things. But I'm not really sure on what that timeline looks like and how quickly there is a postnatal care plan in place. Yeah. So typically your, um, your postpartum checkup is at six weeks. Mm. And And that's that's all like you leave the hospital and the first time that you're seeing the doctor for you, not for the baby is six weeks later. Correct. Yeah. So, so in between, th- that's, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where some doulas come into play, which we'll get to later. But that's the nice thing about midwifery care, depending on where you are, is that like my midwife is going to be here, you know, fairly immediately after we come home and then again in a couple weeks. And so part of her postpartum care is also making sure that breastfeeding is going well, that the baby's latching correctly so that we're not having issues with that, that everyone is sleeping and and eating <laughs> to the best of their abilities. That And, and all of my postnatal care with her is in home. So she, until we get to the six week appointment. So she's coming here to check on us. We're not going to her, which is nice. Um, but I'll still have to remember to shower just for, you know, courtesy's <laughs> sake. <laughs> um, so it is definitely a lot more, um, full spectrum, but, but again, that's on a case by case basis. Not all midwives have chosen to make their scope of practice that detailed postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, she just, this midwife does because she recognizes the importance of it, but also that's, that's something that you can cover with a postpartum doula as well, mm-hmm. which can be hugely helpful. So, and would that doula be someone that you have to be working with before as well, like prenatal, no. or you can have someone specifically for postpartum? Yep. You can have someone just for postpartum. That's really interesting. And that's yeah. actually something that I didn't know was really an option, I think. 
Yeah. So it's so great. what would be the difference between okay, as as a doula yourself, tell us <laughs> what would be the difference between the care you would be getting postpartum from a midwife who focuses on or like really offers postpartum care versus having a postpartum doula who's providing you care during that time. So your postpartum doula is going to provide a lot of the same things, the breastfeeding support, just like the general baby care support in those first few weeks when everyone's exhausted and overwhelmed and you, you're having this huge transition in hormones, which can do all kinds of things that you were never able to predict for your postpartum period. Um, so your postpartum doula is there to help with those transitions. I mean, they're there to do literally anything that you need to in order to support you as the birthing parent through your fourth, uh, your fourth trimester transition. Mm. Um, so it's not even just medical care or like parental support. It's household support too. Like postpartum doulas are there to do laundry if you need it. They're there to do the dishes if you need it. They're there to help with meals if you need it. They're there to to literally do whatever you need to be supported to get through the transition. Right. And so the difference between a postpartum doula and a baby nurse would be that the postpartum doula is doing more to support you as the the mom or for both parents, whoever the parents are, versus a baby nurse who is really supporting more of the baby needs. Correct. Yeah. So the doula is there. Well, yeah. And the doula is there to to. Because I really... feel like the lines can get a bit blurred maybe in terms of some of the roles and responsibilities depending on what the needs are in the household during that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it depends on how, um, you know, it, it depends on the baby as well. If you have a super colicky baby, there you're going to get support from your doula there but you know they're not doulas don't have medical training so there's only so much that they can provide um so they're they're more there to help guide you in how to care for the baby but they're there for you mhm and then i mean even simple things like teaching you how to change diapers if you have you know um if you are doing cloth diapers, but you d or you're not familiar with your diapering system, they're gonna like you know teach you how to do the cloth diapers that you're working with. They're gonna teach you how to do seemingly simple things like bathe your child. They're gonna tell you what's okay, what's not okay. Like please don't bathe your baby every day. They're not built for that yet. Don't smother your baby in baby oil. You know, like they're gonna give you the tools, but they're gonna give them to you so that you can be hands on. Mm-hmm. Or if you need to just take a shower or take a nap, they're just going to hold the baby for you. Do postpartum doulas, as, did you ever as a postpartum doula or do postpartum doulas in general ever live in with the family as a lot of baby nurses do? Like tell us a bit about your experience as a doula. So my my training as a doula and what I specialized in were very, very much birth focused. So I specialized in natural pain coping techniques. So generally my mothers were birthing in a hospital um, and wanting to do it naturally, wanting to do no medical intervention. And so mm -hmm. I was there for pain management, for, um, you know, helping enforce their ideal birth plan when it came to hospital staff, um, kind of being the middleman <laughs> and 
holding off the hospital staff when I needed to. And again, that really depended on location. Some hospitals were great. And you went in, you said, here's my birth plan. I want to have a natural birth. Don't push me to be induced. Don't push me for an epidural. I don't want these things. And some hospitals would respect that. And then others that were more regulation focused. My job was to essentially assert myself between the birthing parents and the medical staff and say, hey, these are their wishes. So I know that you think that you want to rupture the membranes because you want to push the baby along or push the delivery along, but that's not what they want. So, you know, it really would depend on location. Um, there actually the, the girl that delivered on the reservation in Oregon, she was quite young. She was 14. Her parents were not in support of, of her birth. So they were not present. Her partner was not there. So she was, um, my role with her ended up being a lot more of like providing maternal support during her delivery. Um, so it really depends. It really depends on, on the environment and what that individual birthing person needs. I was not often present for home births or water or like birthing center births because those have a tendency to sway more toward natural birth options anyway. So for what I did, I was more hospital focused to be able to help people who wanted to deliver in a hospital and who wanted to deliver with an OB, help them still be able to with as much as we have control over, right? Help them still be able to come to or help that that ideal birth come to fruition and keep the interventions out and let them labor on their own terms. And um, and then beyond that, it's not just, I don't want to paint a picture that my job was to be there to like fight the doctors, you know. It really did depend on the location and the medical team. But then also when you specialize in natural pain coping, my job was to provide options and provide suggestions and you know, hey, you've been walking around for a while and you're starting to feel your contractions in your thighs. Maybe let's sit on the birthing ball. Maybe let's get on hands and knees on the bed. Maybe let's, you know, find a different position. Let's find a different tactic to help you manage the pain and make you as comfortable as possible. And then there are times, too, where the doula just ends up being support for the partner because the partner can't (laughs) handle it, too. So... (laughs) I would say actually my the idea in my head of what a doula really does, and I think you just really addressed a lot of the idea that I have already, is uh, in addition to providing emotional support, being there as an advocate and also being there as someone, just another voice to, that knows the patient really well and to help guide and give support, however that's needed, whether that's emotional support or physical support. Yeah, and that's definitely a huge part of it is just guidance from a perspective of knowing as best you can what's going to happen. You know, usually when the laboring parents are there, even if they've gone through childbirth before, they're they're so hyper-focused on managing the pain, getting the baby out, and also, like, trying not to become super overwhelmed with all the unknowns and all the things you don't have control over. And so... As a doula, you're a point person who just says, hey, man, I know how this goes, so I'm just here to be support and knowledge for you. I'm here to tell you that what you feel in this moment is really scary or anxiety-inducing is normal. So, you know, trying to keep them grounded, trying to keep them from, um, you know, unnecessarily 
panicking or letting the anxiety take over because the more your emotions get heightened in labor, the more it's going to interfere with your labor. So just really trying to keep things calm and supportive and and prioritize getting them through the entirety of the labor um, and feeling comfortable knowing that there's someone in the room that has their wishes, their ideal birth plan, vision in mind. Um, but then also at the same time is someone who knows who they can trust has with their best interest in mind can tell them like, okay, Hey, you know what? It's probably time to move on to an intervention just to get you what you need in this moment. And that also depends, you know, going back for a second, actually, I'm realizing that we never talked about, obviously we, I think most people know what the um, educational background for OBs is, but there's also part of midwifery is that you, um, midwives are not trained to manage high-risk pregnancies. They're trained to recognize signs, but they're not trained to manage high-risk pregnancies and they're not trained to perform surgeries. So they can't perform a C-section. So with, um, if you're in, and obviously we know that OBs can do that, right? That's part of their training is to manage high risk, is to manage surgery, is to oversee or perform C-section. So if you are in a hospital setting with a doula and you have that OB that is, that is moving you towards something that puts you in more of a high risk situation or something that, um, or something that results in cesarean, right? Your job as a doula then becomes strictly emotional support. And you are just there to (laughs) remind them that like, you know, if this is where you are, if this is your last option, then you're still doing what's right for the baby. Getting the baby out is the priority. And oftentimes if you have, I have found that if you have couples who have gone in with the idea of natural labor and then ended in the C-section, it's actually harder for the partner than it is for the birthing parent. Hmm. So then it really becomes about emotional support. And also like sometimes you have to bring them back to earth a little bit and say, hey, this is still about your your baby coming out. And this is also still more about your birthing partner right now. So get it together a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, did we cover everything with obstetricians? I think so. I feel okay. like we just did a pretty good job of covering midwives, doulas, and OBs. I mean, OBs are obviously the most common route. And like you said, we all know that they've gone to medical school and they've had their residency. And so they're definitely the most, they have the strongest background in terms of medical traditional training. And they're also who you would typically be using in a hospital setting, although not always. And yeah, I feel like we did cover everything. Yeah. I think the only thing... helpful. Good. I think the only thing we didn't cover with doulas is that doulas are not just... So we talked about the the birth doula versus the postpartum doula, but the thing that that I think is important for people to know about doulas is they're not just birth related. There are actually many different kinds of doulas and the majority of them are birth related, but there are doulas that even can just help with emotional support through stillbirth or there are doulas specifically for abortion and miscarriage. So it's not just like, um, focused on getting the baby out or focused on life with baby, but like all of the transitions and all of the things that can happen 
with a mother or with a, a pregnant parent in pregnancy. But then there are also something that's becoming more and more common these days are death doulas, which are oh. there. Yeah, which are there to support people through loss um, or doulas that are there to support people who are transitioning into the afterlife so there so doulas are obviously most commonly known for birth but there are actually many many different kinds so truly a doula is a support person and that's like the general umbrella and then within that we have the different categories Mm -hmm. where birth doulas are obviously the most common here in the states but they exist for many different reasons it depends on your culture it depends on the country you live in um and they cover you know a huge spectrum of things but the the main goal for a doula is to be a support person in whatever environment you're in and one last thing before we wrap up i'm curious how how did most of your doula clients find you or what would you recommend for someone who's listening right now and is interested in working with a doula are there resources or databases where you can find someone or is it usually a referral or word of mouth yes to all of the above so actually my first um (laughs) clients this tells you how long ago it was. My first clients ever, uh, I put an ad on Craigslist and they found me through Craigslist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you just dated yourself. I know. <laughs> back when Craigslist was trustworthy, which was a really long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Back before there was ever like any kind of spam or any kind of shady business ever happening on Craigslist. Um, so my very, f- in the very beginning, you would post on Craigslist or... <laughs> Um, there are databases as well. So depending on who you're trained through, they will provide you as an option basically on their website. Um, and then beyond that, so I would train through Dona International. So if someone knew that they wanted this specific kind of training that Dona International provided their doulas, they would go to the Dona website and then they would go to their find a doula, you know, search engine. Um, but there are also databases that are state specific um, or region specific. And then, of course, there's referrals, there's word of mouth from doctors, from midwives, from friends. Um, so there's various different ways. I would say, depending on your region, those search engines can be really great um, or they can be really lacking. So, just like anything else, vetting is the most important thing. And interviewing. And, you know, there was one couple that I interviewed with that went in a different direction, which is great. I am a huge advocate of people making the choice that makes them feel the most comfortable. Um, But aside from that, you'd be surprised at how many people don't interview you. And (laughs) I would always be like, what questions do you have for me? How can we make sure that we're on the same page, you know? Um, So just like with anything else, once you get that information, however you obtain that information... Have a real conversation with them and talk about your expectations and see if you are aligned. But definitely, Google still is a wonderful tool. <laughs> it is. So, it's a great resource. Yeah, it really is. Obviously with a great salt, but, you know, that's, that's if you have no idea where to even start, if you are the first of your friends to start having to, to be pregnant and no one else is having babies yet and you don't have people that you can get personal recommendations from... That search engine can be great. Mm-mm. Yeah, sounds like there's lots of options. Yep. And I'm sure for most people, having a personal referral is probably like the most, I mean, at least for me, I feel like that's usually the option that 
for anything that I feel most comfortable with, just knowing that someone that I know has had such a wonderful experience with someone. And I mean, now when you go online, there should be reviews under, you know, where you, wherever you would find most of people in any sort of database, there's going to be reviews from other people. So you'll be able to see all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But when totally. in doubt, ask a friend. Yeah. When in doubt, ask a friend. And when in doubt, you know, don't. There's nothing wrong with cold calls, but that's when you have to have your list yeah. of questions ready, right? That's when you have to know exactly what you're looking for because you can't, you don't have intel from anywhere else. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Yeah. All right. And if you well, have any questions about was... finding a doula, just reach out to me. Yeah, because you are our, doula, our in-house resident doula expert. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> This was really informative for me. I hope that everyone else has enjoyed this. Yeah. See All right. you guys next week. See you next week. <laughs>